Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image. And God created male and female in his image. And some, from Psalm 139, 13 and 14. Thank you, Lord, for knitting my personality and the inward parts of my body together in the secret place of my mother's womb. I give thanks to you because our bodies are your unique, amazing creations. From John 1, 14. And God spoke, and his word became a human being and lived among us in the person of Jesus, full of grace and truth. And from 1 Corinthians 6, 8 to 20, 18 to 20. Paul wrote this to the new Jesus followers in ancient Corinth. The culture was much confusing about the confusion about the human body. Avoid sexual immorality. Certainly know that you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, the Spirit given to you by God. You do not belong to yourselves, but to God, who through Christ purchased you for a price. Therefore, use your bodies for the glory of God. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Marlene. Um, as we begin, I want to uh, share with you a little surprise that happened to me. I was looking in my home office uh, for a, a quote, good read, and uh, grabbed this book out. And it says, No Longer Strangers, by Bruce Larson. He in the 80s was a pastor of University Presbyterian in Seattle. I read through it again and I went, wow, he's really talking about what the church is to be. It's about relationships with one another. So I'm going to put it right here for, and I dare you, I dare one of you afterwards to take it read it. Is it a deal? Here's the second one. We've referred to this already. Keeping the Sabbath holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. I'm going to put this out here as well. This is amazing as we've been looking at this whole question of the of a change sabbatical and what does it mean for us 
have that important rest and restoration time. So it will be at that chair. And I uh, expect them to be gone after worship today. So I invite us to pray. Father, we thank you for <clears throat> your word and your call for us to love you with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our body, and our neighbors ourselves. So we ask, Lord, that you would be our teacher as we look at how to love you with our body. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So today there's some new things happening. That is that there's a PowerPoint that's going to be on the screen. And the time the ties, ties in with the sermon. And Brent, who is up there, said that he's a terrific mind reader. <laughs> he will be flipping at appropriate times the slides that go with the sermon. So, <clears throat> we have had this period since the end of June when James began his sabbatical, in which we have been thinking about how do we do that even better. That's been the focus for a number of weeks. Then I introduced you into this second focus, Jesus' great commandment. Love God with all of your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And today we're looking at that fourth part. What does it mean to love God with our body, our strength. Well, I need to say that loving God with our body is a body is a really loaded subject. And it's interesting how often the scriptures speak about the body. And it, and it begins in what we heard today in Genesis. In the beginning, God created, doesn't say he created Mars, Jupiter, or another universe. It says in the beginning, God created male and female in his image. So we're going to create this secret system when I nod. <laughs> we need to get to the bodies. Get to the body here. One more. Okay, we'll get to this now. One more. There we go. There we go. We talked about loving him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to flip up to the bodies. Okay, let me just, let's just go back to that one, uh, to the tightrope walker. 
Okay, there's the goddess, there's the temple. There's the temple, and this temple is dedicated to the goddess, and flip back so we can be a little embarrassed, the goddess of Aphrodite. She was the goddess of sex and passion in the first century. And she was worshipped, okay? Let's talk about worship and confusion. She was worshipped big time. The amount of money that was coming into Corinth because people, sailors being on ships, came to this little isthmus where Corinth was. They needed to get off the ship and they needed to go worship. And they paid big money to go up to the temple to sleep with a religious prostitute. Big, big money. And also big time worship confusion. That temple, Aphrodite, that was the center, the center of worship in ancient Corinth. <clears throat> we talked earlier about the problem for us of worship, confusion. And, and where is Jesus on my list of persons or things that I worship? Is he number one or is he down here number 25 with my car and my dog is up here number one? So Paul's letter to the, the, the Corinthians is based big time around the subject of the body. Because all of these people pay big time money in order to have sex at the temple with a religious prostitute that was driving the economy. So it's significant that Paul begins this section, chapter 6, where he says, avoid immorality. What a big statement. Because everybody was in Don't you know, he said, that your body is made in the image of God and therefore avoid sexual immorality. Well, just a word about the uh, many gods and the gods and the words for love that existed in that first century. I will start with the lowest one. Eros. Erotic. Sexual attraction. Sexual love. The word Eros means the love of beauty. So you can have erotic feelings about a setting sun. And as soon as the sun has disappeared, your feelings are gone. So eros in the Greek New Testament is the lowest of any kind of possible love. Then there's narcissism. And unfortunately, we see that in modern culture. Narcissism comes from the, the Greek experience of Narcissus, who saw his image in a pool, the image of himself, and he fell in love with his own image. 
So narcissistic behavior means it's all about me and making me look really good and I don't really know anything about me. <laughs> narcissism. Another bit of confusion of love. Pornea. We have the word pornography. Again, the New Testament refers to that in many settings about avoiding pornea, pornography, sexual confusion. And then there's moving up the charts about love. There's phileo, and that's rather below. The city of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. It means you scratch my back, I scratch your back. All of these in the first century and even today, all of these were types of love. Now the biggie is, is the one at the bottom of the list. Agape love. And the historians tell us that the word, Greek word agape was used before Jesus was used only four times in all of Greek literature. Because there were no models. No models for agape love until Jesus came along. And agape love means I will act in a thoughtful, sensitive, compassionate way toward you, even though you may not be able to reciprocate and, and give back to me. And, and we see this so clearly in Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. These men were walking from Jerusalem. This man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, thieves. They took his money, they beat him up, left him half dead. And then a Samaritan came along, saw the man, had compassion, found up his Put him on his own donkey and took him to a place of recovery. Modern translation says he took him to a hotel and said to the, to the hotel owner, take care of him when I get back. I'll pay you any additional money that I owe for this man's care. Jesus stretched the boundaries about love. Love had just been this little eros thing that we saw in City Hall. He stretched it all the way to do something or say something like parable of the Good Samaritan. But what's interesting about that is that. All of this that we have described out of the letter to the Corinthians 
out of, <clears throat> out of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. All of that has to do with her body. Her body. Over and over again. He lays out and shows what it means to use our body. all the people that he, he healed. He had compassion. One of my favorite parts of scripture shows Jesus as in modern translation says Jesus hanging out with children and teenagers. And his disciples coming along to him saying, Jesus, what are you doing hanging out with these? You're wasting your time. You need to be with the movers and shakers, not with these kids. And then Jesus responds, again, having to do with the body. Unless you become as a child. Unless you become as a child, you shall not see the kingdom of God. It's that childlike faith. Jesus was... Some have uh, said that the scriptures only speak about real high and lofty spiritual things or academic things, and they don't get down and dirty as they were and talk about body. I hope you've seen as we've been in this little tour to corners and walking with Jesus, I hope you've seen the scriptures get right down there and address how do we love God with our body. So <clears throat> I want to invite you in a minute to talk about how this works for you. In the New Testament, there are over four or five dozen places where a so-called one another verse exists. Like, love one another, confess your sins to one another, encourage one another. And I've listed some, I've listed ten of those one another verses in your sermon roadmap. I put them there because that that ties in what we do with our body relative to the other persons in this church. We're going to start there. <clears throat> the great thing about this book is that it speaks so clearly about what the, the new phrase that was used in the 80s called relational Christianity. And what this unpacked was that our gospel is in fact about relationships. And Jesus came not to teach doctrine, but came to make relationships. So the one another verses 
they all have that phrase. One are about our relationships with each other. So I'm inviting you to make breakout groups of three or four. And then in that group, share with the others in the group the one another verse that you find really that gets your attention. The one another verse that you want to act upon this week with others, we'll start here, with others in this church fellowship. And, and I love that picture. Because that picture illustrates encourage one another. That is, give courage to the other person. Wow. Regardless, we all need that, don't we? But in your bulletin, I've listed these one another verses, and I'd like you to share with your small group one of those that you want to act upon this week. <clears throat> 